being a Pacific Islander means so much to me. Being an American citizen is just as important to me, too. This is the time during the year where our country celebrates the contributions of Pacific Islanders and Asian communities from coast to coast. We will do the same on That's It, That's All. You are listening to That's It, That's All with Sean DiMatato. You are listening to That's It, That's All. Welcome. I'm Sean Gumatautau here. Get LLC brings you the That's It, That's All podcast. Get LLC is a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm in Micronesia. Do you need help with writing a small business plan? Need advice on energy efficient upgrades to your commercial facilities? Get LLC can help. They can be found on the World Wide Web at get-guam. Check them out today. Hello to those listeners in East Harlem, New York. Also, greetings to those of you listening in Winter Park, Florida, just outside of Orlando. The listenership is growing with each episode to include those now listening in Davis, California. Can't forget the listeners across my island home, especially those down the road in Mariso. Half a day to you all. That's It, That's All is designed to keep you company as you go from one end of Paradise Guam to the other. Remember to download the podcast for your next road trip, that next run or walk on the park and beach paths near and far, or as part of your morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or in front of your desktop and or laptop computers. Thank you, thank you, thank you to RedCircle.com in distributing the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. You can find That's It, That's All on iHeartRadio and Pandora. Like, subscribe, or follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app. Click those buttons right now. This story begins in 1977. Perhaps it should have begun much sooner than that. It took a House and a Senate resolution to create Public Law 95-419. The date was October 5th, 1978. The will of the U.S. Congress directed the President of the United States to proclaim one week each year beginning on May 4th, 1979, bringing the American family together to celebrate the heritage of Asian and Pacific Americans nationwide. Growing up in San Leandro, California at that time brings with it a unique perspective of this annual event. I was eight years old. I was finishing the third grade at Woodrow Wilson Elementary School. The first proclamation was signed by then-President Jimmy Carter. I remember how the teachers at my school put up posters marking the historic event. I remember how the Asians and other islanders at my school looked at those posters with great pride. This was a time where we saw folks on these color posters who looked a lot like us and our families. I remember one of the local television stations, KTVU-TV Channel 2, based in Oakland at the time, featured the accomplishments of Asians and Pacific Islanders at that time. I used to watch the TV news every single night, then with my mom and dad to better understand what was happening around the area and the world. This particular station stands out, as they were really the only ones who pushed out great stories of 
local Asians and Islanders contributing to the greater society of the Bay Area of the time. Historic programming for that time. Each year after that, I would see the glossy posters, watch the news stories, see the faces of those Asians and Islanders who did so much to advance the profile of this important part of the American family. I recall seeing entertainer Don Ho, Congresswoman Patsy Mink, Senator Daniel Inouye, actor George Takai, all part of this great poster series, all of Asian and or Pacific Islander descent, one of the fastest growing parts of the American family. I was a young man very proud of my heritage. I was a young man from Guam growing up in the Bay Area through the 1970s and 1980s. I remember the talks with my elder Pangolinan cousins in San Ramon, California. Each of the five offered great insight into what Chamorros were doing in California with a keen eye to what was happening in Guam. They helped me grow into the man I am today. I used to enjoy the care packages sent to my mom for my late Antifina conception, which in those times were filled with crumbled up copies of the Pacific Daily News. The news, either print or broadcast, was always a big part of my life. Reading the newspaper, including those from Guam, was a huge part of the education in my house. I even remembered using those newspaper clippings as part of my current events projects well into my 7th, 8th, and ninth grade years at John Muir Junior High School. Middle school introduced me to new friends with Korean, Chinese, and Filipino backgrounds. High school brought more Asians and Pacific Islanders into my life. Our collective friendships have remained to this very day. Through social media platforms like Facebook or those chance meetings at any place on the planet, each of us express to one another just how proud we are of what life has brought to us and where life and our collective pride has taken us. The stories of the lives of my childhood friends of Asian and Islander backgrounds could fill volumes of written books. Our collective stories could take up plenty of bandwidth on YouTube or elsewhere on the World Wide Web. The plight of each of my Asian and Pacific Islander friends runs across different socioeconomic realities, failures, and successes. The little group from San Leandro, California that I grew up with is not at all a unique bunch. In fact, there are little groups like mine that sprouted up and grew throughout hundreds of areas across the country, from Vermont to Oregon to Hawaii to Guam. These unique American experiences offered each of us a glimpse into the rich Asian and Islander heritages like so many people that share our cultures from coast to coast. This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. The U.S. Census Bureau estimated in 2018 that 22.6 million Asians and 1.6 million Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islanders called America home. 53.9% and 24.4% of Asians and Islanders, respectively, held college degrees. The 2016 Annual Survey of Entrepreneurs 
reported this group accounted for nearly 560,000 small businesses in America combined. As of the recording of this podcast, there are plenty of folks in America who are taking the time to talk up the contributions of Asian and Pacific Islanders to the building of our great country. To start, the day, May 7, has great significance. The first documented Japanese immigrant arrived to the United States on May 7, 1843. The National Endowment of the Humanities recalled the story of a boy named Manjiro. The 14-year-old was rescued by an American whaling ship, the only survivor of a fishing expedition caught up in a storm. Twenty years later, Japanese immigrants made their way to the Hawaiian Islands to work in agriculture. Around the same time, Chinese workers made their way to America and helped in the building of the Transcontinental Railroad. These three events in America's history are significant. Each tells a story of opportunity, perseverance, and success. I submit that many podcasters and listeners alike may say that my reflection does not touch on the darker side of this effort. I can offer this. Manjiro was adopted and forced to change his name to John Mung by his rescuer and adopted father, Captain William Whitfield. The Japanese who toiled sugarcane fields and asked for equal pay were called the Japanese menace. Chinese railroad workers were subject to harsh conditions all along the 1,921-mile stretch from Iowa to Oakland. Hundreds of the 15,000 workers died to be sure the last spike went into the ground at Promontory Summit in Utah. On a positive note, the contributions are many. The ups and downs are numerous. But one thing is for certain. These are the shared plight of Americans, whether or not they share Asian and Pacific Island heritage. Two years before he successfully passed the Senate resolution and eventual public law, Senator Daniel Inouye spoke to graduates of McKinley High School in Hawaii on June 1, 1975, just before the 200th birthday of America, saying, quote, We each have our limitations. We have our weaknesses as well as strengths. But please, stop telling me that you and I, that our nation, is doomed to eternal damnation. That the malaise, which has been with us this past year, is proof of our limitations. If it is proof of our limitations, our willingness and ability to do something about it is no less proof of our vital strength as a free people. If America can regain faith in herself, we can embark on our third century, tempered by our mistakes, but enthusiastic about our future. For every tear we shed for America today, we shall one day shout for joy in the America of tomorrow. Close quote. It took 134 years for America to finally honor the contributions of Asians and Pacific Islanders to the growth of our country. Thirteen years later, the observance uh, was expanded to cover the full month of May. There are many parts of the podcast world, and even the internet, that are offering up very skewed, a uh, very skewed, very negative look back to help the masses look forward positively relative to Asian Americans' contributions 
to the building of this great country of ours, the United States of America. Let me offer my perspective. The contributions of Asian Americans in my lifetime that I got to witness with my very own eyes are significant. What many brought to my neck of the woods was this collectivist culture that wasn't seen by too many people there in the Bay Area in California. In fact, many non-Asians who were introduced to it really found it hard to truly understand the why of it all. The collectivist culture is this focus on achieving group goals. South American and Middle Eastern cultures join Asians as sharing this important trait with their respective cultures. Collectivist cultures teach members the importance of group values, such as compassion and tradition. While the hometown I grew up in was largely Portuguese, there were plenty of Asian families who called San Leandro home. I saw compassion by the Asian store owners in the marina, Davis, and Washington Manor areas of the city who tolerated plenty of crazy at-risk kids hoping to be a great example and, well, not rip off their establishments. I worked at the local Mountain Mike's Pizza restaurant. Mr. Tong Louie was the owner at the time, a hard-working man, always early, stayed late, great with his customers, striving for a great product. He always made sure I was doing good in school and appreciated that I worked summers and breaks ahead of going off to college. I know that he was very proud of me for doing that specific act. I witnessed plenty of tradition from my Filipino friends. Hardworking, no nonsense. Education was key in their houses, and college to them was the only option for success in America. There is also a strong emphasis placed on group goals by Asian Americans nationwide, surely a carryover from the great societies that their families had come from. When studying for physics tests my senior year, I was always nudged along by my Asian lab partners. Many of them excelled in high school and beyond. They all knew I was having a tough go at things in that class, but they never made me feel like an outsider with some of my dumb ideas for physics projects that included cats in boxes. A chuckle, but never a cold remark or elite view of my crazy ideas in those classes. The Asian Americans who I saw each day used the time to remind us all that as members of at least my class at San Leandro High, we were all responsible for the welfare of the entire group. Bottom line, it is this interest in the group that prevails over the interest of the individual. Also, there was much more harmonious and cooperative communications and interdependence with this special group of American citizens. As a Chamorro young man going to college in Central California, my time in the Cal State system introduced me to young Asian men and women who would use the experiences in Kern County to take them all over the world and in professions that I was surprised to learn later was all started and inspired by their attendance at Cal State Bakersfield. A couple of my Asian classmates went on to be doctors, not that I didn't have high school classmates of Asian descent who did that. Frankly, there were quite a few who earned their doctorates. But just the idea of being in the middle of the Golden State and seeing and doing things with these special Asian American students on such a small campus in the largest college system in America is truly remarkable. <laughs> 
This podcast is sponsored by Get LLC, a consulting and specialty construction materials and supplies firm. Since 2012, they have provided valuable services to their customers across Micronesia and North America. Check them out on the World Wide Web at get-guam.com. They have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too. Get LLC. Find out today how they can best serve your business's specific needs. When I left California to discover Guam, harmony, cooperative communication, and interdependence has been and remains on constant display each and every day here. Since 1994, I would see harmony in the work done between all the Korean store owners to serve island customers from Jigo to Talafofo. Over the past 27 years, I've seen tremendous coordination of the Filipino communities of Guam in their philanthropic work at many levels of our island society. For close to three decades, I've been witness to Chinese and Japanese families sharing with their kids the value of being a proud American and a proud member of their Asian ethnic groups. I have even had the privilege to travel with these families to these great countries and see where it all started for them and reminding me of how proud that they are, not just as citizens of the world, but as Americans in this part of the world. All this effort to grow this great American community in the Western Pacific. Where they all come together, the value systems of Asian Americans do line up with mine and other Pacific Islander Americans. Family does come first for all of us. All that is done from sunrise to sunset is to focus on taking care of our immediate family units. I have seen firsthand multi-generational households here like never before. Many of the people helped build our island up from the ashes of World War II. Today, third and fourth generations are now called Guamanians, and they are contributing to the greater good of our Micronesian society. Our collective identity, each Taiwanese, Thai, and Indian member of Guam society does their part to be a part of our familia. In fact, they are adopted sons and daughters of many Chamorro families. It is fair to say that good relations are not too hard to find in Guam. A brilliant young journalist from the CNMI, Thomas Manglonia, tweeted this past week, quote, A lot of AAPI Heritage Month features of journalists are leaving out Pacific Islanders. Close quote. He then used the social media platform to celebrate Pacific women in media that he looks up to, including my longtime friend at KUAM, Sabrina Salas Matanani. With that said, Pacific Islanders do at times get the short end of, the, of this particular celebration each and every year. I'm biased. I've met so many fantastic people from the islands who have given so much for their love of America and their respective island homes too. Many of them are now spread all across the world. The names will be forever etched in my mind. I want to share with you all one more reflection from my experiences growing up in the Bay Area in the 1970s and 80s, there were only a handful of Islander families in our little suburb of Oakland, California. I looked up to the Samoan families in San Leandro, some of the best athletes of California to ever grace football, baseball, and softball fields in the East Bay. And Northern California, if I could be so bold, a small group of Saipan kids grew up down the road from me off of Hollyhock Drive in the Halcyon area of the city. I learned later that during my service to the governor of Guam that many of those kids 
were kids of former governors of the CNMI and cabinet members of those first governors of the Northern Mariana Islands. I cannot forget to mention my Hawaiian classmates. They were the ones who brought together all the island kids in San Leandro. It was kind of like a kinship when we got together. My younger brothers were also immersed with these fantastic Pacific Islander Americans, paddling in the cold waters of the Oakland estuary or the barbecues in their backyards are still being talked about or attempting to be replicated to this very day. It wasn't until I left the Bay Area that I was able to visit the places and the people who had influenced my youth, visiting Hawaii and American Samoa for shorter and longer-term visits would cement not only my love for the Polynesian culture, but admiration of the many Americans of these two great communities who influenced my life in such a positive way. Every day, we should bring the American family together to celebrate the heritage of Asian and Pacific Americans everywhere. If we can't, then maybe this podcast each week can fill that need. That's it. That's all. If you enjoyed this podcast, download, press subscribe, or follow us right now. More great content is on the way. Talk to you soon. The That's It, That's All podcast is produced by Sean Gamatato. Executive producer is Trisha Gamatato. Hit the subscribe or follow button and leave a review. Thanks for listening.